Welcome to Warren Radio. With your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to Warren Radio Battle Lines. I am Tower and we are glad you joined us. Today is Thursday, the 16th day of January 2020. And our scripture reading for this week is Exodus chapter 1, starting at verse 1 through chapter 6, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 27, verse 6 through chapter 28, verse 13. And also chapter 29, verses 22 and 23. And the New Testament portion is Acts chapter 7, verses 17 through 29. Be sure to follow the WIBR Warren Radio on Twitter at hashtag WatchmanIS216 and hashtag Warren Radio. On LinkedIn, you can find us by hashtag Watchman. And you can join us on USA.life and MeWe, that's M-E-W-E. Look for hashtag Warren Radio. And the other networks that Warren Radio is available on is Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes Player, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Warren Radio Visions on Blog Talks, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Google Podcasts, and also on Deezer. I want to admonish you to take time to read the pertinent articles that the watchman writes because they're very important and they apply to this day and age we're living in. And this week we feature Christian persuasion, persistence, and perfection. Christian persuasion, a conversation on and about post-Christian era in America and the nations. Is the Christian era ending? This has been a topic of much discussion. In light of these end of days, there is a sure answer. The truth is, Christianity is is alive in spite of the rumors of its demise. Also, last day mark of Cain. The last day mark of Cain and these prophetic end of days join together in the lawlessness of today. We live in the era When this mark is clearly seen, the consequences thereof will continue until the coming of the Lord. And also, Noah found grace, and so can you. In these end of days, our Lord warned to not be deceived. It is paramount to understand the last days. Yet in these last days, the Lord Jesus Christ reminded us that these days would be like unto the days of Noah. In the day of evil and judgment, God looked on Noah with favor. Today, you can find that favor. So go to Warren-USA or DanaGlennSmith.com or WarrenUSA.com and DanaGlennSmith.com to read those articles. And please pass them along to your friends and relatives. And now I invite the watchman.
You're listening to WARN Radio on the WIBR WARN Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. And also follow us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, and join us on LinkedIn. I'm doing good. How you doing? Oh, pretty good. What's going on? Are you ready for well, part 32? We are ready for part 32, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to get right in it. Okay. I'll so, see you uh, on the other side. Okay. We left off. We were talking about, now this week, uh we will be dis- discussing more about uh, the judgment on Egypt. This week, uh, we're discussing the spirit of Egypt. You know, countries have their own spirits. And, uh, you know, we call it, you know, we talk about America, we say the spirit of America, which is patriotism, freedom, you know, uh, and everything that is uh, in our Bill of Rights and the Constitution. And uh, we sum it up for America, and we call it patriotism. But when God does judgment, it is not unusual at all to see division within a nation. And the division here actually occurred in in history. And uh, Isaiah 19.2, we We've done that verse, but uh, let me read it again. This is uh, where we left off. And I'll set the Egyptians against the Egyptians, and they shall fight everyone against his brother, everyone against his neighbor, city against city, and kingdom against kingdom. And when we look at, you know, the real aspect of division, division is exactly what it means. You're divided. You're not united. Scripture tells us that a house divided against itself shall fall. And uh, being in America, you know, we can see the problems we have here. But when we look pointedly at the governments of men, we find problems in the governments themselves. North Korea, for instance, that many times over the many, many years, the two decades that we've been doing this, and even before that, North Koreans have starved to death while their army got fed and the leaders were fed and those who backed the leaders were fed. We see many, many uh, persecution of Christians and believers over there to the point they can't do anything, so they're really quiet about it. We saw the bamboo curtain, commonly China, open up, especially during the time of Nixon. Then we saw a time that it opened up to the gospel and churches like Wang Yi. He wasn't the only big church. Uh, And, of course, he he didn't want to be affiliated with uh, uh, the regular government churches because the government churches say you have to acknowledge uh, the government, China, over Uh, any God that there is because it's the Chinese government that takes care of you. 
And so now today, China is one of the persecutors of Christians ongoing. But in spite of that, America and others continue to trade with them. Uh, Google uh, and many other companies did a lot of trade with them and made China veritably rich. And then we go into places like Nigeria, which is poorer. And it has a lot of Christians. It's seen a lot of Christian crusade. Reinhard Bonnke did a lot, and he's passed away. Uh, but we've seen a lot of Christianity over there and in Kenya and other places. But we're also seeing today the government cannot stop the murder of Christians and, uh, you know, the pillaging of Christian homes or their crops. And uh, so this is another government problem. We move into Pakistan. We see the problem with the government uh, trying to, uh, you know, allow Christians to be able to even live there without being oppressed. Many of whom just recently there's be even more that's been accused falsely of blasphemy. Uh, and then we get into India. You get over into the EU. You get to the UK. You get into many nations today, and many of the governments have problems. But back in America, we see divide here like we've never seen before. That's something that I prophesied about many, uh, you know, a couple of years ago during the um, the eclipse, and I warned about this division that was in America, and it wasn't even evident, and you know, to the extent. We always knew there was a little bit of division, but we didn't realize to the extent that it would be. And now today, as this division continues to take another step, this particular process of impeachment, which has been foolish from the beginning with no proof, now finds itself in the Senate, and we're continuing to be divided. So when we see the spirit of Egypt, we see Egypt itself being judged. We know very well that the judgment and the division of Egypt actually led to war there. It led to divisions. It led to the establishment of various powers and entities within Egypt. Uh, in Isaiah 19.3 is the verse we're looking at now. He says, the spirit of Egypt shall fail in the midst and I'll destroy the counsel thereof, and they will seek to the idols, to the charmers, and to them that have familiar spirits, and to the wizards. And of course, Egypt is not new to things like that, especially when we remember Egypt again uh, taking on the Lord God in the form of uh, his prophets, uh, uh, Moses, and his helper, Aaron. And we saw and witnessed, it's recorded in the book, what happened. Egypt, matter of fact, at that time was a strong power um, during, uh, you know, a time of seven years of famine. Egypt was the only one that had food. That's where Jacob and his family was, took up residence. Uh, uh, at that time, uh, Joseph was the second most powerful ruler in Egypt. And so Egypt and, uh, you know, this essence of um the Lord God in here is really interesting because Scripture does point, other Scriptures, about the Lord and Egypt and about Egypt 
coming out and getting away from a lot of these idols and stuff. So it's interesting to, to really talk about Egypt. Egypt really is a type of the world when we type it out in prophecy and things. And uh, when we look at the instance with Egypt and Moses, Moses, of course, was uh, a type of the Savior. Uh, Israel is a type of the church. Egypt's a type of the world. And, uh, you know, the people of God, Israel, were coming out of the world, meaning Egypt. And, of course, the ruler is trying to kill them, stop them. So we see this fight between, you know, the things of the world and, and the things of God. And here, because of a lot of problems that were going on in the region and the fact that Sennacherib was coming up, that there was a lot of, a uh, lot of things uh, Sennacherib of course got defeated when he finally went against Judah. And a lot of the outlying areas had been concerned about Sennacherib when he came in because he was so powerful. But uh, the Lord here in Isaiah 19 is talking about judgment on Egypt and Whenever you have a nation and that nation is independent and on its own, you know, they continue to go and uh, function and they have their idols. They have their gods. They have what they do there. You know, uh, scripture tells us that the God of the nations are idols. But if you was to go into the U.N. assembly and just speak that at a microphone saying plainly that all your gods are idols and the idols are serviced by demons, you would be probably thrown out. But see, the bottom line of it is the issue here is there is only one true and living God. And when we start dealing with uh, the prophet Isaiah or Jeremiah or Habakkuk, or Zephaniah, or any number of them, they don't represent just any God. They represent the true and living God. And when we talk about Christianity, Christianity is not just any idol, any God, but Christianity is born and bred out of the Son of Almighty God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who gave of his only begotten Son. Matter of fact, in Psalms 2, it tells us to kiss the son lest he be angry. We know very well who the true and the living God is and who the son of God is. And so when we deal with the judgment of God, just as when we get in the final tribulation, the people are going to cry unto their idols. They're going to go to the charmers. They're going to go to those who read the guts of animals, those who read the tea leaves, those who read the cards, those who read just about anything to hear what the spirits have to say. Go to those who have a familiar spirit, who can, who can hear the voice from the other side of entities that are not true. And they can find out information. But yet none of these is going to take them out of the hands of the judgment of the Lord God. So when this begins to fall, when this division begins to happen, it just keeps folding and multiplying upon itself. And people become really excited and, and depressed and anxious and there's violence, and it can lead to war, and they blame one another, and they fight amongst each other. And there's no unity, and the enemy can then take advantage of them. 
And so then they go to their idols. They go to those prognosticators. They go to their uh, favorite fortune teller. They go to their favorite wizard, whoever it is, and try to get comfort. Well, what am I going to do about this? What shall I do? And none of it is going to prove to any avail, especially when you get into the fact that when we deal with the Great Tribulation and the fact that the son of perdition, uh, the beast, is going to be in charge and he will have everybody under the mark of the beast. He'll be the last great Gentile warrior, king leader, and he will go against Israel. He will also have all the armies of the earth will be gathered down there. The Lord God said he would gather them down there to judge them. And so within this, we we confine ourselves and we look at Egypt again, finding that just as when they met Moses head on, here they are in the midst of a mess and God is pointedly telling the prophet Isaiah, they're going to be divided. The spirit of Egypt, that is the ability to think that Egypt is going to make it, the ability to think that we have a solution. People are going to be delusioned. They're going to be depressed. They're going to go to war. They're going to have problems. And so uh, we see this here. And it's also not just of Egypt, folks, but this is a point in judgment. Whenever you find a nation under judgment, you will find division. And if you ever look around in America today and you begin to wonder, well, why are we so divided today? Because we're under judgment. And I have spoken of this. I've warned of judgment and Tower's been with me for many, many years. And even before this end days ministry, which we began back in 1998 to specifically warn America, we first knew of this many years ago, what was coming to this country. But yet it's not just going to be America. And as we can see today, we can see the nations of men in turmoil. And we begin to wonder and think, how far away is the Great Tribulation? Is this going to cure itself? Go to your prognosticators. Go to your gods and see if they can tell you. See if they can deliver you out of the hands of the Lord God. You want to escape? You want some way to find help? Go to the Lord God. Go to his son, Yeshua, Jesus Christ. That is the only solution. Now, in Isaiah, he hadn't come yet. And for Egypt, you know, Israel was was around there. And Israel could have easily have helped some of these Egyptians. Judges 10, 13 through 14, and this, of course, is in the time of the judges, and Israel totally had trouble during the judge, the time of the judges, and they would get in trouble. They would fall away, and then God would send a judge to them, you know, and this was the time when we also, we would see people like Samson that would rise to the top as a mighty deliverer. And he says to Israel, yet have you, you have forsaken me and served other gods. Wherefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen and let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. 
You see, Egypt had gods. They had a lot of gods, but the gods in the time of Moses couldn't deliver them from the plagues that Moses was sending in the name of the Lord God. And at this time, Isaiah is speaking, and they're not going to be able to deliver themselves through their gods, through their familiar spirits, their wizards, their pronosticators, and all the other devices that they use. And especially today when we talk about it, Christ triumphed over all principalities and powers, every demon, every stronghold, every God that you can think of, every spirit, every prognosticator, every kind of wizard, every kind of dark deed, every kind of darkness power that you can find, you can think of, you can seek out, you can conjure up, will not deliver you. But see, there will be a time of darkness, though, upon the entire world when that dark one will be here. And nothing will stop him until the Lord comes. And even during his time of reign, he will run into things that he cannot stop. Because his reign, even though it's in darkness, is limited to what the Lord God has allowed. But the interesting thing about this is, go cry unto your gods and see. Let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. Let them deliver you from my hand, saith the Lord. Egypt was not able to stop this, just like America is not going to stop this division. It'll stop in its own time. Just like the plagues and the problems and the difficulties we have in the world today, they're not going to stop magically. We have judgment upon this old planet, and we haven't even come to the final phase of it. And this could go on for a long time because this is the shaking of nations. And all those who told you that everything is going to be limited to seven years, that's wrong. We know for a fact that when the dark one shows up, it'll be three and a half years. But until that time, there is a time of sorrows. And then there's after the sorrows. But it's a time of intense trouble and shaking of the world. We've been seeing this for over two decades now, increasing. And it has not stopped. Back in the mid-80s, we thought it was bad back then. We look at it today and we think of the 80s as that time of righteousness. But when we were in the 80s, it was wicked back then. But we have been so accustomed to the wickedness and depravity and the abortions and the celebrating of death and the bloodshed, dear God in heaven, that we have become numb to it. Your sins have reached to the top of heaven. And Egypt, know this, O Egypt, you will not deliver yourself. Isaiah 19.4, And the Egyptians I will give over into the hand of a cruel Lord, and a fierce king shall rule over them, saith the Lord. And this happened. It relates to the national revolution which broke out. And it resulted in the overthrow of the Ethiopian rule over it at the time and to the federal 
uh, dodiocrity, uh, uh, a ruling of a body of 12 to which the rising of the nation led. And, of course, the kingdom against kingdom here also uh, relates to that uh, ruling body of 12. They were 12 small kingdoms into which Egypt was split up after the overthrow of that Ethiopian dynasty. This was in the year 695. Now, there's a bunch of big names here that you can't pronounce. One of them succeeded in the year 670 in putting these 12 states once more under a single monarchy. Now, known by the Greeks, Samometchus, I'd probably said that wrong, ruled 664 to 610 B.C., and he was the first of three kings of that name of Syete, or 26 uh, dynasty of Egypt. It's interesting to note how this happened. You know, and Egypt was powerful. Egypt ran into trouble. We continue to see trouble in the nations. You know, Egypt is an old country. Look at it today. You would hardly recognize it. Look at Persia today, which is Iran. You would hardly recognize it was the same place as it was so long ago. America at the time of Persia, at the time of Egypt, America was just a piece of land run by a bunch of Native Americans. They were running around here. They came over on the land bridge that came from Siberia. That's how they came down into America. I wrote about it in my first book about the judgment coming to this country called D-Day for America. I talk about how they got over here. There's many who believe that, that many of those who came over were actually part of the tribes of Israel that had left and been scattered. So there's a lot of history. Egypt's, of course, main economy. And see, whenever we talk about this, uh, and this is important, too, because when you begin to see divide, when you begin to see the spirit, the patriotism, the workings of a, of a nation falling apart, that means their economy is going to fall apart. And, of course, for Egypt, because of the water around there, the Nile and stuff, the fishing, linen manufacturing, they had cotton and flax. Uh, their main economy was de derived from the sea. But see here, the waters in 19.5 of Isaiah, it says the water shall fail from the sea. The Nile here is called yam or sea when we read it. And the river shall be wasted and dried up. Now, there was actually two Niles known at the time, the Blue Nile, which was known as the Nile Sea, and the White Nile was the Nile River. And uh, in the tropical rains, when they would come, and we hear a lot about tropical rains or the rainy season, not just over in Egypt. We see it down in South America. We see it in Costa Rica and other places. You can see it in Guatemala and Honduras and a lot of these places down there. There's a lot of moisture uh, now, up here, we don't have a rainy season, per se. We have a, a snow and cold season, 
then we have kind of a summer season, but we do get rain, but nothing like they do down there. Uh, the islands, the Philippines have rainy seasons. So you have the Blue Nile, the Blue Nile, which was the Nile Sea. The White Nile was the Nile River itself. And in the tropical rains, of course, when they come, everything would swell up and it would flow all over. And so these two in the upper Egypt, uh, though, during this are going to actually not have rain and they're going to sink and dry up. And if you've ever seen places, uh, you know, some of the photographs of um, famine and no water, um, you could, you know, I remember the images of Africa, the images of Ethiopia. Uh, there's been a lot, of, a lot of times, you know, that we see some of these images and the waters themselves are totally dried up, baked. We know that, uh, you know, when we're talking about Africa, this happens a lot. It comes and goes, the rainy season comes, and then it'll go through and these parched areas fill them up. They'll have water for a while, then they'll dry out. But when the rains don't come, as usual, they stay dry. And here in Egypt, the judgment was, as Isaiah spoke it, the waters would fail from the sea there. And, and of course, that's your lifeblood. And, um, you know, there's a little note. Uh, Kylan DeLeish mentioned that, that Homer called the Nile Oceanus. And it's the same name that natives to the river called the Nile was Oceanus. I find that interesting. Uh, in all the time that I've known of the Nile, I've never heard it called Oceanus, but Homer called it that, and he called it that because the natives called it that. And how would they know that? Well, because a lot of these would get in their reed boats and they would trade with others. And it wouldn't have been uncommon for them to be able to trade and go over to Greece, go around the Mediterranean. And uh, we know that uh, you get in the South Pacific, the islanders then were able to go around the South Pacific to many islands. This is in the early courses before the whites ever got in their great big boats propelled by the wind. <clears throat> there were people that were floating around this old earth on little boats that, uh, and they would navigate by the stars and sometimes they just kept going. Isaiah 19:6 says, and they shall turn the rivers far away and the brooks of defense shall be emptied and dried up. The reeds and flags shall wither. And of course, all this, when you begin to see a particular um, famine of water, I call it, you know, a drought. Well, when you get alongside a lot of these rivers, uh, and not just the Nile, but a lot of these kind of rivers in, in this uh kind of climate the reeds themselves are really really uh prominent and they're all over the place and some of these reeds a lot of these reeds uh um you can take them and you can make boats out of them because within the reeds they're hollow and they float they're they're sealed off so you can make boats and they're really buoyant and so they <clears throat> wrap up great big bundles and tie them of these reeds, big long, and make boats out of them. And that's how they would get around. And, of course, the, this is common, and sometimes I guess they can weave them too. The ones that I've seen, 
they would just time and make them into great big uh, bundles, uh, long bundles, and make boats. And they would pull the ends together and, and the middle together. It was neat how they made them. The paper reads by the brooks, the mouth of the brooks, and everything sown by the rooks, brooks shall wither, be driven away, and be no more. Uh, again, this is everything that would normally grow is not going to grow when there's no water. And uh, so you, what are we talking about? Well, this is one of the things that when you're talking and discussing judgment, you have division within the nation. A nation divided will not stand. After that, as the people flail away to try to cure it, and the division is continuing, they begin to turn on themselves. And, of course, this is where you have various groups, well, I can rule this better than you can, and they begin to fight. And in Egypt's case, it divided into 12 kingdoms. And, of course, when you begin to find things like that, then the spirit of the people fail because things aren't working out. And even with 12 kingdoms, it's not working very well. And then all of a sudden you begin to have, uh, you know, your reigns that you're used to don't come. So you can't work in the cotton. You can't work in the flax because why? There's no water. Nothing grows. And so your spirit fails. You begin to wonder what am I going to, what am I going to do about eating? And of course, in Isaiah nineteen eight, this is what he says: the fishers also shall mourn, and all they that cast angle into the brook shall lament, and they that spread nets upon the waters shall languish. Why? Because there's no fish. Why? Because the water's too warm, too low, too polluted. And a lot of times you get a lot of the wrong kind of algae in there. You can get a red algae in there. That's dangerous. But at any rate, where do the fish go? Well, they go upstream. They leave. They go somewhere else. They're not around there. And, of course, you're not going to have many of the other animals around either, uh, the, the amphibians. And so here, you know, this, is, again, is the economy. So we see... When the rivers dry up, this is a judgment. The, the, you know, the waters, there's no wa- rain, there's no water. So that, that's a judgment. And it affects everything, especially with Egypt being so close to the water. And, of course, the fish. Uh, you're not going to have a way to, to really eat. Now, they have cattle. Uh, they have uh, sheep. Uh, and they'll have some of these others there. But there's no water. Uh, there's not going to be any feed. And so everything is being devastated. That's your economy. So you have war within, you have division, you have, you know, no way, no commerce, no way to make any money. And all you can do is languish around and wonder, when is this going to be? So you go to your, you know, make all your sacrifices to your gods that you can do. Why? Because you want to have a good season. You want something to go. So you go try to appease the gods that you've been serving. And guess what? It doesn't work. In America, folks, you better wake up. 
because the Democrat Party isn't going to save you. The Republican Party ain't going to save you. And a lot of these churches out here that don't know how to stand by faith on the word of God is not going to save you because they're so tied up in secularism, prosperity, and all the rest of it. What happens if everything falls? What happens? In, you know, we're, we're not based. We don't worry about the water. What happens if you have no economy? What happens if you have no dollar? What happens if you have no banks? What happens if there is no more stock market? What happens if everything falls out of it and New York is a chaos and a mess and it's riddled with nothing but violence and fires? David Wilkerson years ago prophesied of a thousand fires that he's seen in New York. Dear God in heaven, do you think all the abortions that you're doing, sacrificing to Baal, is going to help you in this time? Do you think all your pride and your rebellion is going to help you? No. And all the castigating of Christians today around the world, there is coming a time when the God of the Christian and the God of Israel, everybody's going to be united because... Paul even talks about this and warns about this, that God has not cast away Israel. You had better thank who you serve. Because when you get in the middle of this kind of a judgment, folks, there's nowhere to go. You ain't going up. <laughs> this thing's going down, baby. What do you think Russia's going to do? What do you think China's going to do? All them proud communists over there throwing Wang Yi in prison just because he's a Christian and stands up for his faith. He knows who to go to in case something happens. Ask him. I challenge you communists in China. But Wang Yi's already winning people to the Lord. He's, you put that man in a prison with other Chinese prisoners or anybody, and he'll get them to know the Lord because that's his goal. Do you think, although China has such an age, you know, they're a historic people, it's a wonderful culture. But humanism, communism, socialism is not going to save you. There's coming a day when you'll be crying and weeping. So what that you have the Great Wall of China? It serves to keep you in, not let you out. Verse 9, it says, they that work and find flax and they that weave networks shall be confounded. This is the Egyptian looming. I've never been much of a loomer, but I'm fascinated how they do all this stuff. One of the products that they used was flax. And, of course, Tower and I use flax. <laughs> we don't weave with it because flax is really, really good for you, you know, health-wise. Uh, and, of course, we, we talk of the grain itself. And then, of course, you grind that up. But it, it, it's perennial, and it grows to two to three feet, blue flowers, fibrous. And uh, after you decay it and you remove the softer woody, uh, you know, they, they create this flax. And out of that, of course, comes the linseed oil and oil cake and other products. But see, 
flax isn't going to be growing if you don't have no water. And, of course, they use a method called combing. And I've seen pictures of these things, a method for preparing the fiber of, of flax. You can use, uh, you can comb wool for it. I assumed you could use that on, uh, do the same thing with flax. I don't know. I don't do either one of them. But I've seen I've seen pictures and and short films of some of these people that do it. Some of these women, it's an amazing process. I've seen them spinning wool. Now my grandfather and grand uh, grandmother both, you know, we they made just about everything themselves, but they didn't spin the wool. <laughs> they weren't that. They didn't have to go back that far, but you have people in the Middle East and around the world, and that's how they get their their linen. That's how they get clothes. They weave it. And I'll tell you, I give them a, a, a top notch for that, boy. Not many of us in the world know how to go out and find flax and try to make it into something. I can take the grain and grind it up and make something to eat out of it. (laughs) Wool, you know, I mean, do you know how to spin wool? Matter of fact, just make it simple. Do you know how to start a fire? If in America you, you didn't have electricity, you didn't have gas, you had war, you had a, you know, an army crossing from the east to the west. And they were come down from the north and up from the south. And you had your major, uh, you know, New York, Washington, San Francisco, L.A. They didn't even exist anymore. Dallas is gone. Pensacola is no more. There's no more Navy there. What would you do? Oh, man, you'd freak out. That would be normal. Where would you run? You couldn't go north. You couldn't go south, even if you didn't have an army there. See, that's what I mean. And I'm getting to the point here that here in Egypt, they didn't have nowhere to run. They were there. They were fighting amongst themselves. They were divided into 12, eventually divided into 12. And then over a period of time, the 12 got to one again. But if there was ever any pride there, that was surely taken care of because the rulers got brought down. See, most of the problems you see and most of the problems you come across, I mean, you can point to the governments. I can sit here and lead you through them. I can tell you where we've been reporting on on a lot of killings and murders and pillaging. I can tell you who's doing it. I can tell you the government's not doing anything about it, and they use political maneuvers. I can also talk about Israel, as many can, and we can talk about how the U.N. doesn't get anything done. It's all political because nobody does anything. You see, some of the biggest problems we have here are governments of men, and these other governments of men are not a democracy. They're not a constitutional republic like ours, and even we have problems because we've fallen away from our moorings a long time ago. 
Isaiah 19.10. Now, all this is describing how their economy got broke down. Now, see, and for us, you know, when we talk about things going bad, we talk about the dollar falling. We talk about gas raising up. Maybe there's a war, so gas goes up. You know, uh, <laughs> you, you get around to time when people are going on vacation in summer. Guess what? The gas goes up. I remember back in the 70s and the 80s, they were talking about a shortage of gas. My father-in-law worked for Texaco, and they were going, harping on, oh, we don't have any gas left, and we're not going to have any oil and all this other. And he said, you know, there's no shortage. All our tanks are full. See, half the time we don't even know what's going on because of the news and because of the people in charge won't tell you. But dear God in heaven, if something like that was to hit America, what do you think is going to happen here? All these people that you think are so nice and wonderful, man, they will come into your house and they will leave you for dead after they get done pillaging because they could care less. You'd better hope this don't come to America. You better hope this don't come to the UK. You better hope this don't come to the to the EU. You better hope this doesn't come anytime soon to any of those, including Canada, Mexico, South America, Argentina, Venezuela, New Zealand, Australia, Japan, China, Russia. Iran, Israel. But when this thing comes full circle, boy, you better watch out because the principles that is being laid down in Isaiah tells you the steps and how it breaks down, how God is showing you here. And these last several verses have been describing the breakdown in the economy. The commerce system, what you eat, how you live, how you stay warm or, you know, where we live, that's important how you stay warm. If you don't have gas and if you don't have electricity, the only thing left is go out and find some wood. Boy, there ain't much of that around. And when you have another, you know, 50,000 people looking for wood and you don't got much, I mean, there's going to be a few fights. And then after you burn the wood, you're going to have to go find more. Where are you going to get it? ain't going to find it around here the key for us will be the coal you'd have to go north to where the coal beds are you get up in campbell county and you could just dig down in there anywhere practically in the whole county and you will find coal we used to go fishing out there in the neighboring county and when the water was a little low you could see the beds uh, the, the reams of coal Right there in the water. And yet you've got greenies that want to take, get rid of coal. They want to stop the oil. Yeah, they get it all stopped. Judgment comes. What are you going to do? (laughs) You're going to die, baby. Unless you've got the Lord to make a way for you. That's what you'll do. What are these in Egypt going to do? Well, if they were smart, they would leave and they would go down into Egypt and find some of those Jews there who knew who the Lord God, because at this time, these Jews could have helped them out. 
And there was, and believe me, that you can find some of this relationship. Make no mistake about it. I think of all the nations I see here prophetically, Egypt's one of those that could very well know the truth. Isaiah 19.10, and they shall be broken, and then the purposes there all that make sluices and ponds for fish. Now, you see, the phrase here is makers of gain as opposed to the nobles. They that make sluices and ponds. These are the ones that would work, and the nobles who had all the money would pay them. And they would keep the sluices and the ponds going that would raise the fish so the nobles could sell the fish and be rich, do well. And, of course, these were the highest caste, the ones who, who were close and were took uh, taken pretty good care of. And, of course, they're going to support the state. And they lived on the wages that was paid to them by the nobles. And the nobles lived off of the results of that because the ponds produced the fish, which they sold. And they had more babies in there. And they had a constant supply. And they were able to stay wealthy. And they had their their fields that they would grow stuff in and sell that. They would make stuff. But see, now everything's broken including all the ponds for fish, the sluices that uh, ran everything, because, (laughs) well, I can't have any water. Well, you don't have any water because there is no water. Unless, of course, you dig down and figure away like we do today. We have people living on the mountain here. And up on the mountain, there ain't no water, not much. There's one, I think, one stream, but there ain't much up there. People that are up there, they either have to haul their water or pay a lot of money and drill down a long way to find it. Now, see, that's not my kind of place. Now, see, I come from the old school. My grandfather and grandmother on both sides, one was a rancher, the other was a farmer. And the one here, the farmer, had a cabin clear up in the mountains. Beautiful place. I was up there when I was a boy. Crystal clear Ice cold spring. That was that was where they got their water. I love that water, man. I've never seen, I've never tasted as good, as clean, as clear and flowing as I saw then. Uh, they eventually sold it. And now they've developed it. You can't even find where it was anymore. They probably polluted the spring. Who knows? But you see, we all live in the same manner that we find here in Egypt. Isaiah 9, 11 through 13. Listen to this. This is Isaiah. Now, I was telling you about the governments of men. Now, you remember this. Surely the princes, these are the heads, the chiefs, the governors, the lords of Zoan. It's a place in Egypt. You know, this is where the heads lived. You know, 
it was home where you had two dynasties that actually ruled from came out of. And the princes come from those two dynasties. And so they were all gathered around there. And they were all, you know, of course, they were counsel to Pharaoh. And uh, it says here, the princes of Zoan are fools. <laughs> have you have you looked and read at the news lately what's going on in D.C.? <laughs> I mean, talk about America. Have you tried to watch some of this news? I don't even watch it. I, I don't even listen to it. I, I get their bites once in a while. I don't pay any attention to them. I mean, you know, if the princes in Zoan are fools, what are we in this country today? And we're supposed to be smart. Dear God in heaven, give me strength. If you're blinded where you can't see this, and God help you, because when this hits, you know, you might as well stick your head in the sand. Because that's where it's been anyway. The counsel of the wise counselors of Pharaoh has become brutish. That word there means to kindle or consume. In other words, the counsel to the to the Pharaoh, you know, these smart princes who descended out of these lines of these dynasties that the Pharaoh was depending on for counsel, all their counsel is as a kindling fire. In other words, it, it just leads to destruction and foolishness. And it's like a fire that destroys everything. It doesn't. <laughs> what do you do when, when you don't know what to do? Well, you just tell them what you can tell them. Dear God in heaven, you don't say, well, no, I don't know what to do. I mean, you're a prince. You're descended from two dynasties. You have a palace to your God right on your land. And you don't know what to do? Have you been in there? Yeah, I've been in there all the time talking to him. And did it help? No, it didn't help. But if they'd have been talking to Moses, Moses would have told him, yeah, I talked to him. I talked to him all the time. He speaks to me. Matter of fact, in his name, I can bring down fire from heaven. I can turn the rivers to blood. I can bring a plague upon you so severe that it'll destroy everything there is. But I only do what he tells me. See, the Christian is supposed to be able to say, I know who is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. They are filled with his spirit. They have his word. We're supposed to be salt. Where's the salt in America, I ask, as I read this and think of this as what's happening to Egypt. I look at America, a type of the world, worldly. And I say, where are the wise and where are the foolish? Who are the counselors that are telling them to do this? It's like a fire. It's consuming everything. It's ruining it. Where are they? Well, you could answer that. Father, we thank you for your word. Dear Father, help us to learn from this. Help us to learn truly lessons. May we be wise and not foolish. 
because we've got children, families, we've got cities. We're not unlike the Egyptians or unlike Israel. May we have sense enough and wisdom enough to repent. May you learn the lessons that Isaiah has given us when he talks about the judgment on Egypt. Because there are those who say all the stories in the Bible are foolish. They don't mean anything. And on judgment day, these will be the ones that will be unprepared. In Jesus' name, Father, bless these who hear it. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, and the powers of darkness from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word. Amen. Okay, Tower. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Boy, it just seems like today, what's going on in the world today, in a way. Well, it does. We have all I mean, these, it's a... all these wise men who know nothing, actually. Well, if they were so wise, they would get it fixed, wouldn't they? Yeah. They're wise in the world, but unwise spiritually. So therefore, they become foolish. Well, you can look around the world. You you can you can see. You know, I remember when the Christians that were in India were warning about the BJP party and Modi coming to power. Yeah. And they said that this would mean persecution for Christians, and ever since then, that's been the case. Yeah, that's sad. But, but, that's too bad. But, but yet nobody did anything to stop it. So the nope. plan was to come to power, get rid of the Christians, and don't do anything. That's the same thing in Nigeria. Yeah, exactly. The same thing in Nigeria. Look at China. Why are they cracking down? Same reason. We're going to have to get out of here. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. God bless you. We appreciate all you guys and what you do for the king. May he bless you richly. We love you. We pray for you. God be with you. Good night, everybody. Don't forget to stop by our websites, warn-usa.com, danaglinsmith.com. Be sure to like all of our all of our posts and stuff, read the posts that come through, listen to the shows, pass them on to your friends, help us to spread the word. Until next time, this is the Watchman. Shalom, everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio. Warren Radio.